This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. So delighted to be back in uh, City on a Hill Church. This is a church that we carry in our hearts a lot. Pray for you. And even this morning as I've got messages from around the city of Durban, uh, just encouraging you and encouraging and praying for you, you're not alone. I think it's a good thing, isn't it? that we're in partnership together, and that we see the kingdom of God expanded and grow all over the world. So I'm, I'm, and I'm looking pretty smart this morning. I, I, and, and the, I, look, hey, the, the, the reason for wearing a jacket is because I don't own a jersey. <laughs> I come from Durban. I could only find a jacket to, to stay reasonably warm um, this morning. And... Um, as I was praying for you, just before I kick into the scriptures, I, I, I saw a building site where all the tools were left on the, on the, on the site. So, you know, a building site where all the, the builders have departed and everything's just lying around, the trowels sitting. And I saw all these different things sitting around on the building site. And, and then I saw this, this awakening going on. And, and, and suddenly you got a scurrying of of people around on the site, and everything gets going again, and the, you know, the bins and the machines start working again, everything gets going. I felt the Lord say, that's you. Everything's getting going at the same time. I, I, I feel like God's pulling you back into a building phase, and I'm not talking physical building. Yeah, you're going to build physically too, but you're going to build. Everything's going to get going. More light, life, light, light groups, more stuff, more kids, more youth, more, more everything. It's just going to scurry across the side of this church, across every part, your mission, your outreach, your processes that go beyond you, the, the scurrying of workers around. I just saw everything getting, getting moving. And I, I, it's, it's not that you have not been moving. It's, it's just the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm heating this up. I'm doing something with you again. There's been a pause of something of what God's doing. It's been wonderful. It's great. But now I'm just rushing in again, and I'm just going to get going. Stuff's going to grow. Things are going to move. And I felt that's the season you're in. And so I think it's really, really exciting to be part of this local church. And if you're a visitor this morning, stop looking. <laughs> just, just be part of a church that's doing stuff. I, 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 I love that. So hang here. This is probably where God... Uh, lives. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so I want to, uh, this morning I really felt from the Lord to talk about godly transformation. One of the things, and I think every one of us have some life messages, some things that are kind of in us. They always come out of us. They always pop out of us. And I think all of us have some things, whether in business, in work, wherever we are, some things God's given us. Well, this is one of the things God's given me. And if you've ever heard me talk at some stage through the years of interaction, you've probably seen me put three chairs up like this in front of you. I'm gonna, I'm, I say that not as an excuse to say I'm, I'm reworking some material, no, but this is really, really important. And I want to emphasize something I felt the Holy Spirit say to me about you and about the journey that you're on that is really, really critical. Uh, I plan to be super practical. I mean, really helpful, I hope, to all of you. And you may not remember the details of this message at all, but I'm hoping you'll remember the examples. 
And somewhere it'll jog you. I'll remember those things. Remember that thing and remember those chairs. You'll remember that and that will help you facilitate some of the transformation that God wants to bring into your life. One of the greatest challenges I see in church is that bringing change to people produces what I call a pseudo-transformation in people. People change on the outside thinking that that's important. The way I look, the way I act, the way I live my life here, the way people perceive me is important. But we all know that according to the Scriptures, life doesn't come from there. It comes from here. It comes from the inside of us. So the more that we give emphasis to adjusting the outside of our life, actually we're denying something of the life of God in us that is to flow through us to bring life on the outside. You got that, right? See, the, the, the change that we need, it's not about knowledge. How am, how am, I'm not saying it's not important to know stuff, but I'm saying knowledge is not the, the marker for change. It's not based on years of service. I've hung around a long time in church. So therefore, I'm now a mature person. I'm now a transformed person. Years of service is not it. It's not about how much scripture you can quote. It's not about even doing ministry. I've been involved so many years. I do this, I do this, I do this around the church. That's not a sign of transformation either. It's not about moral strength. Some people think I, can be, I do all the right things all the right times. That's kind of the change. Um, that represents the change. That I, that I have in my life. And that's all external. That's all on the outside. It's all the stuff that we observe together. And I call it pseudo-transformation, stuff on the outside, stuff that people observe and see. But I think God's interested in the idea that the world needs to transform with people who are full of the power of God, who are full of the life of the Spirit. And that doesn't happen on the outside. It happens on the inside. You see, we are a spirit, we have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, all of us, that's what makes you you, makes you different from everyone else, and we live in a body, right? You got that idea. I'm giving you basics now. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Now, now interestingly enough, and, and don't worry, I'm not going into heresy now, but there are three salvations mentioned in the Bible. They are, and I'll prove it to you. One, we're spiritually saved by Jesus. We are renewed on the inside. We come alive on the inside of us when we encounter the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's not your work. That's His work. I know you stuck your hand up in a meeting and walked forward and committed your life to Jesus, but that actually by the by. Actually, it's Him who called you. He gave you faith. He saved you. It was nothing to do with you at all. It's completely a work of God's grace. And when you're alive on the inside, you are a Christian. You are a born-again, full of God's Spirit on the inside of you. That's what makes you a Christian. Not sitting in church. Not lifting hands. Not singing songs. Not going to life groups. Not doing great works. Not helping people. Does not make you a Christian. Only when you have encountered the saving grace of Jesus Christ, who has transformed and given life to your inside, are you a Christian? It does not matter how much Oprah Winfrey tells you that you've got to care for your spirit. You can't care for stuff that's dead. Only when Jesus Christ has made you alive on the inside are you a Christian. 
and is your spirit alive? Until that moment, you are stone dead. You may pretend to be alive, but on the inside of you, you are breathing air of an alive person. But on the inside of you, there's no life at all. And it's only a matter of time before the physical death of your body will confirm to you that you were dead on the inside. So people are breathing air, walking around, not knowing that they're dead on the inside. So when you encounter Jesus Christ, and He gives life to you on the inside, He indwells you, the Scripture says. I mean, what a thing. I mean, I could hang here a long time, and I don't want to. It's going to take too much time. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He makes you alive on the inside. That's a work of God's grace. First salvation. Second one is this. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says in the second half, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, what God has worked into you supernaturally, you are to work out. Work out where? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. How many of you know that when you got saved, your thoughts didn't change straight away? Neither did your actions. Neither did how you lived your life. It didn't change straight away. What happens is the life that God has worked into you our responsibility, hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, that life is to be worked out through our mind and our will and our emotions. And we are being transformed daily in our minds, our will and our emotions as a work of God's Spirit flowing through our hearts, our minds and changing us and transforming us. And His Word is washing through us. We are being transformed here, right? This is a life's work. It's not instant. You didn't instantly change. And I met a few of you, and you are not perfect. Like me. Not perfect. So the point is, the perfection of God's work, and it is perfect, and it is complete, is busy working through the imperfection of me, and transforming me, and changing me, and changing my mind, so that out here in the body, I, people begin to see the reflection of Jesus' life that has worked its way through me. That's how people's lives are transformed. So I get saved as a work of God's grace continually through my whole life. And then one day, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52 will come true. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. One day, when Jesus returns, and you may still be alive, I don't think I will be, but hey, because I think this gospel's got to go everywhere and it hasn't gone. But that's okay. If he comes, I'm ready. But even if I'm in the grave, I will raise out, out of that grave, and he will give me a new body, an imperishable body. Even this body I carry around will be saved one day. And I will be with him. So you see, there are three processes to this salvation of mine. But there is a problem. And today, I, I don't really want to talk about this. I really want to confine myself to the challenge of the soul. I don't know whether you know this. 
but we are the second most brand-conscious people in the world after Russia. Russia's number one, the most brand-conscious country in the world. South Africa's number two. Why do you think we're so brand-conscious? Because most people live their life from here. This is what matters. What I look like, what I wear, you know, Gucci stuff, things. At least I look wealthy. I may not have a cent in my name, but I look it. It's important to look it so I can fool everybody. I may not have any life in me. Friends, what a crazy way to live. When we live the wrong way, and most people do, and we're meant to live this way. I feel like an Australian. <laughs> I never understand this. like playing gaining grounds as Australian. But what a crazy game they invent. But we learn to live this way. This way. Life is meant to flow from our insides, out through us, through our soul, through our body. And then what comes out of us over there. We cannot be so wrapped up in everything that's on the outside when God gives life to us on the inside, and that's what's meant to live through us. Get that. If you get nothing else today, welcome. Go, go home. You got it. But the great challenge we have in the modern world, and particularly the world post-COVID, I arrived into America, and uh, I think I said this to you last time I was here, and I I was so struck by a statistic that was immediately upon the news when I arrived in post-COVID. That is that teenage suicide was up 100% in the U.S. So it was, a, it was national news. People don't know what to do, do they? They don't know what to think. Anxiety levels are high. The struggles of people's lives People are depressed, struggling, battling, and this nation is not excluded from that problem. Most people we meet are under some form of pressure. Their, en their energy is low. They're struggling. They're battling. Their money is low. There's pressure on in the economy. Guess where that hits? Right here in the mind, the will, and the emotions of people. And when people are wounded here, struggling here, what happens to this life that was meant to flood unimpeded through you kind of gets stuck a bit in the wounds and the struggles and the battles of your own life. And what was meant to be an expression of godly life and joy and peace on the outside of us gets a little warp through a soul that traps the work of God at the center of us. I want to help you today. I want this life to flow through your soul unimpeded. I can't help you completely. How much could I possibly do in the next 20-odd minutes that's left of this message? But I can help you practically a little bit so that we walk away today and we say, actually, we're not going for pseudo-transformation. We're going for the life of God to transform us. That's the deal. That's what we desire. Um. We live in a world that built towards humanism, saying, you can be better, you can do it, you, know, you can make it happen. I, I even hear preachers preach that a lot. It's almost like we're so fascinated by changing 
that even our preaching becomes a process of, of, of hitting the outside of people in church. Change, change, change. Change doesn't come here. It doesn't come from here. You can, this is called pseudo-transformation. It's the outside you're changing. It doesn't change anything at all. Change comes when we allow the Spirit of God to flood through us and bring change on the outside. So many preachers stand up and absolutely smack their people around, tell them they've got to do this, do that, read more, do more, pray more, be in more meetings, do more for God. You're not enough. But I'm here to tell you that I'm not calling you to an extraordinary effort today. Do more, because I know it doesn't work. Um, the book of Chronicles in the Old Testament. Can you remember all those people standing with Joshua in a moment of, 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 of national pride. Choose this day. Who will you serve? Remember? And all the people cry out, we will serve the Lord. Remember it? It's in the Bible. They all say, we'll serve the Lord. Well, it didn't take long, did it? And you see, all the commitment of people, all the... Oh, I will, I will, I will. doesn't help you much. That fuss bait, I'm going to hang in. It doesn't help you because I've discovered that our will is not enough. I don't know whether any of you have ever had, to, I, I've you know, had gym contracts. <laughs> I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a racket, really. Because what it does, they're selling us the idea of a healthy body. And so they sell us a gym contract. You go two or three times, and, and then you realize gym is not for me, and you pay for the whole year. You know, what happened? And, and then you come next year again, you say, oh, I really should do better. You sign another one, and you cheat it all over again. Because, because it's a roller coaster ride, isn't it? So Chronicles tells us, the people of God serving him, honoring him, and then they serve idols and struggle, and then another king, and then another journey, and then another. The roller coaster ride of God's people, serving him, not serving him, serving him, not serving him, because our commitments don't work. There was a problem uh, in America where men made a commitment to say, we will fill stadiums and make promises. They called it a movement. It's called promise keepers. Ever heard of promise keepers? Whole stadiums, and I like all Uncle Angus. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a personal friend. I, he's a wonderful man, but he can fill stadiums. We fill stadiums of men, and all the men say, "We will serve the Lord. We will have one wife. We will, we will, we will." And and then men are men. And in the 90s, stadiums were filled all around America. And men made promises that they could not keep. Because the power to keep promises doesn't come from you. It comes from the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And so I want to pray. I left my, my cups there. Would you mind just popping those up to me? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Very kind. I go to Denmark a lot. I'm Danish, by the way. Uh, 
I still speak the language. I'm involved in planting some churches in, in that nation. And um, I'm fully South African, but part of me is Danish. Um, when I first went back to Denmark as a young man, I'd been away from the country for a long, long time. And I came back to Copenhagen to work. And I was staying in a little, a little apartment for two or three months on my own. And now I had to look after myself. I was 18 years old. And uh, I walk into a supermarket to buy milk. Well, that was a problem. I didn't know it was going to be a problem, but it was a problem. Because milk in Denmark, not having been in Denmark, not ever having really bought milk in Denmark, I, I did not know that milk, regular milk, was called sweet milk. So I look, I, I look sweet, sweet milk. I said, no, I don't want sweet milk. But actually, sil milk, sweet milk, is, is normal milk. And, and, and then the options begin, you know, 1% fat, 2%, 3%, 4%, 10%, 20%, half fat, full fat, light milk, super light, very light, light, everything you'd imagine. And then all the milk substitutes begin, you know, from nut this and that nut and soy. And, and, and the fridge is full of milk. Choices. Overwhelming amount of choices. So I'm completely overwhelmed. I go up and ask a person, so listen, bud, I just want regular milk. Just give me, what, what's the normal stuff? No, it's called sweet milk. I said, oh, jeez, I was looking at that. I didn't want anything sweetened, so I didn't want that. Uh, he says, no, that's regular milk. The problem with our lives and allowing the work of God that is in us to flood through us and transform us is we have too many choices. I want to say this to you, is we leave too many choices on the table. And so when it comes to your life, actually allowing God's Spirit to flood through you, you need to practically limit some of the choices you have. You need to choose simplicity. I got married to my wife almost 38 years ago. She's at home looking after the grandkids at the moment, which is why she's not here. Um, and I got married to her 38 years ago. And 38 years ago, I made vows in front of her. You know, we'll do this, we'll, you know, all the stuff you do as a young couple getting married. But one of the things I moved off the table, and I'm not here to, to judge anyone, but I'm just telling you, one of the things I took off my table is divorce. I, I said, we'll work our stuff out. I find that many young people getting married today, they say to themselves, hey, you know, 50% of marriages don't work anyway, so if ours doesn't work out, hey, you know, and they, they leave the choice on the table. Well, I, I don't have that choice. So even if she irritates me, angers me, no, no, you can leave it right there. Leave it right there. <laughs> it belongs on the floor. <laughs> it certainly doesn't belong on my table. And, and one of the things is that you make a decision to move some of these things off the table. And I, I, I look at, at, at anger off my table. Uh, so when it comes to provocation of some kind, and I'm provoked to anger, and, and, and my you know, children or my wife gets particularly upset, and I'm, I'm well, okay, that, that, I don't have that option. Uh, it's off the table. 
I think some of the other things in my life, and 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 that's that's kind of gone off the table. The fact that I'm committed to God's people and committed to being part of His plan and church, well, well, not being part of that is off the table. That my finances are committed to His kingdom and to His purpose, and not just for me, that's that's off the table. Um, pornography, it's off the table. My life's very simple. I have choices, but not many. And one of the things I've discovered with God's people is we leave way too many choices on the table. So you say, Pete, it's not that simple. You can't just move stuff off. Well, what, what, if, what, if, what if I was to equate one of these choices I have with something absolutely abhorrent to me? I have four grandchildren. And if you said to me um, that, that I could possibly abuse them, I'd say you've got to be crazy in your head. And if you were ever to abuse one of my grandchildren, I think I may murder you. I don't know, I know murder's not on my table, but I'll go find it. I'll go find it. And I'll put it back. <laughs> it's an abhorrent idea that a grown man can mess with a child. I'm thinking, I, 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 it's, it's, if, of, of all sins, it's one of the worst to me. I think no, that's just, it's unthinkable. Okay, so what if, what if I start viewing some of the things on my table as unthinkable. It's unthinkable. For, for me to divorce my wife, it's unthinkable. I've equated it with some of the worst stuff that could possibly happen in my life. And I move it off the table. And it simplifies my life. Some of you have left too many things on the table. And they need to come off. I'm just telling you. There's a simplicity to living your life and removing things off the table. Choose this day. Joshua 24, 15. Choose who you will serve. And take some of these other things out because when you have too many choices on the table, the Spirit of God, the life that is in you and floods to you because of all this complication and choice and struggle of your inner life. It just hits this, and it's so messy and so full of your own, you know, don't take my choice away. Don't tell me what to do. I have, I have rights. Well, well I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a believer first before I have rights. I belong to him first. And part of the way to allow God's life to flood through me is I remove things off the table. The second practical help I want to give you, said practical today, is, is I, I, want you to, I want you to have what I call a run-up. And I know, try and stick with me. Those cameras are going to be in trouble now. But, but, but that's okay. Here we go. Here we go. Don't want to pull it over. Now, I'm 1.95 meters tall, so I'm pretty tall. Uh, this line above me, maybe fractionally higher than this, represents the qualifying standard 
for the Olympic Games, for high jump. In other words, just to get in, you've got to jump higher than that. Just to be able to jump at the Olympic Games. Now, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I mean, I did high jump, but ain't no way I'm getting over that. <laughs> Not a chance in the world. So this is our great challenge with our soul. As we stand right under the bar, and we look up at our problems, our issues, our things, and we say, I'm never getting over that. The brokenness of your life, the things that have hurt you, the things that have abused you, and you're standing right in the middle of your struggle. And you say, okay, that's not possible. And so you stay here, but something is needed to get over this bar. And it's called distance. Follow me if you can. There's only one way. There's only one way to deal with that. Even the best people in the world that need to get over heights like that. They don't get over them unless they get distance to the bar. And they turn their back on it. They move away from the challenge. And they walk away. And when I get away from it, uh, maybe it looks better from here. I, I take a little more distance, it looks even better. And suddenly, what was unovercomable for me becomes a possibility simply because I've given it distance. So many of us stand right in the middle of our trouble, right in the middle of our struggle. And we say, it's impossible to get over that. I cannot jump that. This is what the scripture says. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 30. Would someone pick that up and just move it over there? I, I'm concerned now for the... Thank you. You can just keep it there so we can keep it in our minds. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the sovereign Lord. Repent. And turn from your sins. Do not let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why would you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the sovereign Lord. There's only one way to deal with your sin and your struggles and your issues. That's to turn your back on them and face towards the cross. Face towards Christ. One way. R repentance. Talk about it a lot. It's not so much grief about your own inability, but it's movement towards his ability. Oh, I'm unable. That's because you're standing right under the bar. Move towards him and his ability, and suddenly what was impossible in your own strength becomes possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 103 verse 12, for as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Repent, therefore, Acts 3.19, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. I want to say this to you. It does not matter whether your mom did not breastfeed you, whether your teacher told you that you were no good, and you would never amount to anything. Whether people affirmed you or not, 
Whether people broke you, your uncle abused you, your stuff happened in your life that is terrible. If you would turn your back and face towards the cross, face towards where the power comes from, you do not have to live in the inability of your own power. Standing right in the middle of your struggle, looking up at the barn saying, that's not possible. But if you turn towards the cross, turn towards the power of God, turn towards His life, suddenly, suddenly, there is ability in you. And God puts life in you. Because all power, all life, the perfection of God's deposit, if you're a believer sitting in this room, is in you. I've given you two practical things. I could probably give you a whole bunch more. But I wanted to leave something very practical and simple in front of your eyes that you can take back into your home, into your life, and think, oh, what? I, just, I just left too many things on the table. And for whatever reason, I'm standing right in the middle of my trouble, and I'm not facing towards Christ. I'm not moving. I'm not, my posture is not towards him. It's towards the bar. I don't have enough money this month. I can't pay for this. I can't do that. And my debt's overwhelming you. Yeah, that's right, because you're standing right under the bar. Turn your back. Face towards the cross. Move towards Christ. And watch what God can do. Watch the breakthrough that can come. If there is no life in you, you've come to church most of your life, you maybe grew up in a Dutch Reformed church somewhere, and you've sat and you've gone to church because your parents told you to go your whole life. And now you are maybe in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're still sitting in church. Here you are. But there's no life in you. The Bible says, that life can break out like the dawn breaks out over the sky. If you would face your orientate your life towards Jesus now, a miracle can take place here. Maybe you've never really thought about making a public confession of faith in Jesus. But I want to say to you today, without embarrassment, without, you know, who cares what people think? Surely we want life in us. Surely there's no embarrassment that can compare with living a lifeless life. Living for ourselves, living from the outside, living for pleasure, living for things that ultimately will never satisfy you and will kill you. Just a matter of time. One day every person in this room will close their eyes for the last time. And if there's no life in you, that's that's a frightful thing. So if you're in this room, even if you're feeling, oh, but everybody, everybody knows I've been around. I've sat my whole life in church. I don't care. If there is no life on the inside of you, you're not a Christian yet. But you can be right now. Stand up on your feet right now. Right now. And walk down here to me in the front of this meeting, in front of everybody. 
Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.